0: So it says in verse 7 of 2 Corinthians chapter 3 But if the ministry of death written and engraved on stones was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which glory was passing away, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness exceeds more, much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. For if what is passing away was glorious, what remains is much more glorious. Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech, unlike Moses who put a veil over his face, so that the children of Israel could not Look steadily at the end of what was passing away. But their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because of the veil uh, is taken away in Christ. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. And so, as we've seen already, as we've been talking, Paul is responding to gossip that's spread about him that has been uh, going around by false teachers who have uh, int- intended to divide the church. And the thing that he's been dealing with more than anything wasn't what he was teaching, wasn't his theology or his teaching about God. It was about his character. They were saying that he was double-minded. They were saying that he was self-centered, that he was self-appointed, that he was unloving, that he was legalistic, that he was greedy, he was insincere, all these things. And the church was starting to believe these things. They were getting this in, in their head. As we saw in the first six verses, one of the things that he was talking about was one of the accusations was, by what authority has Paul come to you? He doesn't even have a letter of recommendation. And that letter of recommendation was uh, just what it sounds like. A letter that says, hey, this guy is speaking on behalf of the Lord. You need to hear him. And he said... To them, you are my letter of recommendation. The whole fact is that the fact that there is a church there in Corinth, the fact that you guys are walking with the Lord, it should be my letter of recommendation. Because there wasn't this, and now there is. Because you have a relationship with God, and you didn't, that is the letter of recommendation. Paul's, uh, the people were questioning his credentials. Who gave him his authority? And again, he says, your changed life, your changed life is evident that I come in the Lord. And in verse 6, he says, who, has, who also made us sufficient uh, as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit, for the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. And so what he's saying is, God came into my life as somebody who was so adamant and so into the Jewish custom and culture, excuse me, hold on. Sorry, <clears throat> I got to tickle in my throat. Somebody who's so into that, following the law, a Pharisee, he says, The law couldn't save you. It couldn't save me, and I realized that. And the Lord came and equipped me. In 1 Timothy 1.12 it says, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has given me strength that he's considered me faithful, appointed me to His service. And so Paul acknowledges the fact that God is the one who called him into ministry and God is the one who equips him. And when he acknowledges in chapter uh, 3 verse 6, w- what he's saying is this, he says, uh, the letter kills but the Spirit gives life. The letter of the law revealed our sinfulness. He's saying the Old Testament... All it did was reveal our sinfulness. The the Word of God, it shows us our sin nature. And as it does that, it shows us our hopelessness without the Lord. But in contrast to that, we have riches in Christ. In Jeremiah 31, verse 33, he says, But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my law on their mind, I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And so Paul is continuing this thought to build on that, as saying what this relationship is like. The Old Testament and following the law, all it did was keep you in bondage. All it did was show you that you're not good enough and that you have to keep doing certain things in order to be right with God. And so he moves on to verse 7. But he says, but if the ministry of death written and engraved on on stones. So it's interesting that he's calling this old covenant the ministry of death. Was it wrong? Well, no, because this is what the law does. It shows us as guilty sinners before God. But it's the new covenant that gives us life. This new relationship with the Lord, because the Bible says that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law that Jesus' death was once and for all, that we can come before Him and that we can have this relationship and know God specifically. Romans 7 verse 5 says, For when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. See, it isn't that the problem was the law, but was with us. Our sinful nature, our sinful passions, that get aroused, our, our sinful desires to do what we want. Again, because here's the thing, I share with you guys often, is this: if we would truly have this relationship with the Lord that is powerful, that we would understand the the, the how much He loves us and what He's done for us, when we really connect with God in that way. There's nothing else in our lives we'd ever, ever want. There's nothing else we'd ever want. We'd understand how incredible this relationship is. That we would do whatever it is that we, we could do to protect it. You know, there's a famous pastor that was recently fired and it's been public and stuff. And I uh, kind of following the story, reading about it and stuff, and the person that he cheated on his wife with had come out and has spoken up and and it's interesting because the way he first talked about it was kind of like a sorry like a one-time thing but apparently it was like at least a five-month thing and and all that stuff and you know and he's saying "I'm, I'm apologizing to my wife and trying to make things right with her all this other stuff and I'm thinking she should run you know like you know thinking you're sitting here saying you love your wife and how amazing she is when for 5 months you've been cheating on her how 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 is it that you're connecting those two and for her to hear that i'm sure that i can't imagine that she believes a word that he's saying if she does I would be surprised. Because if you loved her, wouldn't you want to protect what you had in that commitment? Wouldn't you want to do everything? And if she is as amazing as you say she is, then why didn't you protect it? Why are you hurting her? Why did you do that? See, these are questions that I personally ask. Maybe others think like that too, but... And I think about it because often our relationship with the Lord is likened to a marriage. And he says, the Lord says, I I love you. Matter of fact, in Ephesians 5, when it talks about the relationship with a husband and a wife, he says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loves the church and gave himself sacrificially. And so the thing is, is when we understand how much God loves us, when we actually have this encounter with the Lord. And it's interesting because when you think about things like, there was a time when Jesus washed his disciples' feet. Which, first of all, like, I don't know how many of you would wash your friends' feet. Let alone their feet after they've been, like, in the dirt for days. (laughs) And Jesus took the role of a servant. And He washed His disciples' feet and showed them what a servant is and what love is. Over and over, He showed love to people. Over and over, He expressed love to people. But this passage here, when it's talking about this glory that was fading to the glory that's going to remain, it's talking about this contrast, if you would, between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, the old relationship with God through following the law You're following the the things that you're supposed to do compared to the things that Christ has done for us and understanding that and understanding what grace is and His love. Because these false teachers are coming in and telling the church, listen, Paul's bringing this false gospel, this false message, because he's neglecting to tell you you need to do these things and do that and do this in order to be right with God. And Paul's like, I've done those things. And it didn't make me right with God. All it did was show me my failures and my shortcomings. And he goes, matter of fact, when Moses brought down the tablets engraved, it was a glorious thing, but he was veiled because of the glory that was passing away. Verse 7. See, there was a glory associated with the giving of the law. There at Mount Sinai. But it says that that glory was fading away, if you would. It talks about that in Exodus chapter 34. It says this in verse 29 to 35. Now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. So with, when Aaron and the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come near him. Then Moses called to them, and, uh, and Aaron and all the rulers of the congregation returned to him, and Moses talked with them. Afterward, all the children of Israel came near, and he gave them as commandments all that the Lord has spoken with him on Mount Sinai. And when Moses had finished speaking with them, he put a veil on his face. But whenever Moses went in before the Lord to speak with him, he would take the veil off until he came out. And he would come out and speak to the children of Israel, whatever he had been commanded. And whenever the children of Israel saw the face of Moses, that the skin of Moses' face shone, then Moses would put on the veil on his face again until he went in to speak with him. He's saying that in the presence of the Lord, Moses got this tell glimpse of glory. And Moses shined... To a point where people would see it on him, but he, he would veil it. He would cover it. He's saying this, Paul's declaring that if the old covenant which was brought, which brought forth death had this glory, we should expect greater glory in this New Testament, this new covenant, which brings the ministry of the Spirit and life. See, the old covenant is passing away, but the new one remains. And it's, it's more glorious. You know, uh, I mentioned, I believe Wednesday, uh, a study I recently listened to and I sent it to the high school leaders to listen to. There's a study about being filled with the Holy and led by the Holy Spirit by uh, the pastor. Well, he's not pastor anymore, but Britt Merrick. And uh, to be honest, I've actually listened to it a couple more times since then because... I keep getting more and more out of it personally. And one of the things he talks about was the presence of the Lord. When Jesus, he had spent this time equipping and walking with his disciples and then he's saying, I'm leaving you. I'm out. Gotta go. And then he's like, but I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And they're like, um, we don't want the Holy Spirit. You know what I mean? It's kind of one of those things like, we want you. And matter of fact, Britt said something. He said, listen, if, if you guys, and this was at a youth pastor's conference that he was speaking, but he says, would you rather have Jesus here in person or the Holy Spirit here with us? And he goes, all of us are carnal. We would probably want the Holy Spirit, right? the, the Jesus. We want to do like Thomas and like, I want to see and I want to touch and I want to know for sure. But Jesus himself said, it's better for you that I go. And so the thing is, in John chapter 14, verse 16 and 17, he says this, I'll pray to the Father and will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever, the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. You know, it's interesting because one of the things that the Spirit does is convict us it leads us and I was sharing even last service how um, when I first became a Christian in high school and I've shared this before with you guys but you know you start catching yourself doing things like when I was cursing and stuff and all of a sudden like I would do something or say something and do something that was I didn't know it was bad or wrong But all of a sudden, I'm catching myself, which I never caught myself before, and I'm feeling bad. I shouldn't talk like this. But then I'm kind of tripping out, like, where is that thought coming from? Because nobody's telling me I shouldn't talk like this. The only people who would do that is probably my parents, and I don't talk like that around my parents. (laughs) So. (laughs) And so. I started learning that this is God leading me, God convicting me, God helping me. Some of it was music for me because at that time I was a skateboarder and I listening to a lot of crazy music and a lot of it was so anti-God literally and and I praise God that at that time Christian punk rock was coming on the scene and and uh, I knew a lot of people involved in it, and they got me involved in it, and and it was helpful because being a teenager, and uh, again, when I first became a Christian, the popular Christian music was uh, a lady named Sandy Patty, Amy Grant, Michael W. Smith, and that was about it, <laughs> and and uh, others, but I, I wouldn't know, <laughs> and and so to me, I'm going. I, and some of you probably have either never heard of that stuff, or if you have, you, you know what I'm talking about. And it's like, I didn't realize that. They, that and so I had friends that uh, had a band that was Christian, and they were punk rock and stuff. And we'd go to concerts and meet up with other Christian punk rock bands and stuff and alternative and different things. And I was like, and then our youth group, we would go to like knots. Bear farm, and they would have these jubilation nights and Christian nights and stuff and all these Christian bands would play and di- different things like that and they would do that on New Year's Eve and a couple times a year different places, uh, in different music parks and stuff and so learning about other Christian bands and I'm like, oh, okay, that's, this is cool but the idea was I'm learning about who God is and God was showing me, listen, I have something different for you, something more and the cool thing was, was he was taking things out of my life, but he was he was replacing them. He wasn't leaving me without, he was showing me I have something more, something better for you. Which is amazing because for me, even like always being somebody who's super social and somebody who loves to be around people and everything else. And uh, uh, always, my whole life I've been like that. To... When I got saved and I gave my life to Christ and started following the Lord, I got involved in the youth group. And from there, started going to camps and started doing different things and, and got involved in ministry and everything. And, and so it, just, it didn't just continue. It, it escalated to a place where it was just amazing. I just had this conversation on Friday night with somebody talking about how in the Lord, I think sometimes, like some of you even need to realize this. God is fun. We can have a blast serving Christ. You can have a great time. You can laugh. You can be silly. You don't have to just be like uptight. Like I'm trying so hard to be holy. You can try hard to be holy and have fun too. God's all about that. I really believe. I've seen that on mission fields. I've seen that here. I've seen that different things. like, and, and here's some of the things. Like some of you have been guides for kids, uh, VBS and stuff. You're giving the little ones like Jesus and yet you're having fun just messing with them and being silly and, and having a good time and, but you're giving them and equipping them in Christ. Hopefully that's your intent. One of the things that was said in this Bible study that I thought was powerful, he says, it's not the love of your youth ministry that will sustain you, it's the love of Jesus It's not the love of your youth group. It's not the love of people, but it's the love of Jesus that will sustain you in ministry and things. And here's my thing, because when it comes to your relationship with the Lord, my question to you guys this morning is, one, do you have one? Two is, are you cultivating that relationship? Are you building that relationship? Are you investing in it? Listen, when you know of somebody who's dating or wanting to date or starting to like somebody, what they do is they'll spend a lot of time together as much as possible. And if they can't physically spend time together, they'll talk on the phone, they'll email, they'll text, they'll do whatever it takes. And what they're doing too is getting to know people. And then you have things like right now, we have the holidays coming up and, and you know, you're thinking, oh, I want to bless him or her with a... A gift. I want to show them like I care. And so, what you do is you try to get to know them in a way that's like, well, and it's not even about the money or how much you spend, but it's about what it is. And knowing them, what would they like? What 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 is it that would bless them? And you think about that, and because you know them, and you know their likes and dislikes. And because of those things, you're able to have that deeper relationship. Well, the Lord reminds us, listen, this covenant relationship that I have with you, we have this ability to go deeper, to be bold, verse 12, and take this relationship in a way that those in the Old Testament could never. Oh, it was glorious. It was a fact that God revealed Himself to the people <clears throat> but it says in verse 11, it was passing away. But what is to remain this ministry in the spirit, us given the spirit, us being led by the Lord, it's much more glorious. What we have today, you guys, is something so incredible. so. Inc- but I wonder if you understand it and are willing to look for it and hang on to it with everything you've got. Because it says in verse 12, it says, Therefore, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. It's interesting because we look at Moses as being this incredible man who went before the Lord for the people, and yet he had to veil himself before the people. It says in verse 13, Unlike Moses who put a veil over his face, so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing. Their minds were blinded, for until this day the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ. And what Paul was saying is there's so many of the Jewish practicing uh, believers that they don't understand that Christ is their Savior, their Messiah, the one who's come to bring us hope. And I wonder if this me, this morning that you understand that. I wonder if you understand the hope that you have in Christ. And if you're willing to dive into that, hang on to it with everything you've got. You know, it's interesting because the the pastor that was fired, one of the articles, uh, a f- friend of mine posted an article that said, mega-church pastor, hip pastor, uh, is fired and wondering if his career would be resurrected or something like that. It was really interesting because it's like it had nothing to do with... It had all things to do with the fact is cool guy loses his position. Not, not the fact that this pastor who overseen a church whose job was to invest Christ, equip people in Christ, just lost all that. There was nothing about his relationship with Christ that was the center of the focus. It was all about this position as a job, as a speaker, as the cool hip pastor, and the person who's known for hanging out with Justin Bieber. had nothing else to do with Jesus. Why do I bring it up? Because I'm wondering if when you come to church, when you come to, I know we come to hang out, to fellowship, to cruise with our friends, but I wonder if you also come to be equipped to know Jesus more. Because He's the one who's going to get you through. When we understand how glorious it is to be in the presence of the Lord, the one who saves us, the one who can forgive us of our sins, the one who can allow us into heaven. Because John 14 tells us that he's going to prepare a place for us and he is the way, the truth, and the life and no one comes to the Father except through Jesus. And if we truly believe that, I wonder if we would start acting like we believe that. If we would truly make that commitment to say, Lord, I want to follow you. Here's all of me. Here's all of me. Lord, I need you. I want you. See, Paul knew both sides. Paul understood both sides by following the law and understanding that it could not save him. It did not save him. It did not bring him the hope that the New Testament, the new covenant in Christ has. His mind was blinded, like it says in verse 14. And yet, eventually he was able to see And it's interesting because in verse 18, when it talks about the mirror, you got to think about this. If you've ever used a mirror or been to like a park bathroom or something like that, where it's not really a mirror, it's kind of like a metal sheet that's been uh, uh, sanded down or polished, right? And so you could see your reflection, but it's definitely, ladies, you probably wouldn't want to put your makeup on using that mirror, right? Because... Like it's pretty cloudy, it's kind of, you know, it's not the best of mirrors, right? And, and this is a kind of mirror like they would have back in biblical times. You could see a reflection though. Oh, but it's not the best. And this idea of saying, verse 18, But we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord is being transformed in the same image. And you start seeing this change the change in you because of your relationship with the Lord. And other people will start seeing that change and that change in you because of your relationship with the Lord. But Paul was saying that most of the Jews of his day could not see the glory of Moses. And that ministry was fading in comparison to the ministry of Jesus. And I wonder if you guys and I were Truly, I've just been wrestling with this lately, especially that teaching that I I heard recently. Again, it's from 2006, I believe, was when he taught it. But it was timely because even things he was saying, like, I know the youth today are like this and like this and like this. And I was like, oh, wow. (laughs) There's nothing different. When the Bible says there's nothing new under the sun, it's been a while but gosh 13 years later 14 years later it's still the same. Just as bad. Because we're not seeking hope. We're so busy trying to be cool, we're so busy trying to fit in, we're so busy, we're so worried about what people think of us and you know do you know do they like what we who we are and do I change for them? Do I you know I wonder how many of you do things like you get ready and you you like what you're wearing but you're not sure if other people will like it and so you change. And maybe after a while before you leave the house and you've had time to think about it and you change because you're you're just not sure. You're uncomfortable. Ah. You're so occupied with what other people think. You're so occupied with, rather than wrestling with the fact of the, Jesus loves me. And I'm trying so hard to fit into a group that if they don't like me for who I am, then what's the point in the first place? And that is something you guys, I pray you'll learn, learn sooner than later. I learned that a long time ago and I wish i learned it sooner than later. I spent my whole youth trying to fit in and trying to fit into groups and stuff that I wanted people to like me and I wanted to look like that group and I wanted to act like that group and everything else and and finally through a lot of different circumstances the Lord basically said stop it and I am who I am and I'm trying to be a better me but like I got to a place where I learned, like, I, I need to stop trying to fit in and just be who God wants me to be. But I wrestled with that for so long. Even in my humor, I stopped trying to be funny because I thought people never take me serious, so I'll just be serious all the time. And I was coming across as depressed. <laughs> and I was and I was miserable because I was, like, trying not to be funny. Because I was just like, oh, maybe if I'm more serious then. And all of a sudden, I was like, dude, this isn't it. When I realized who the Lord is and what he's done in my life and what he wants to continue to do in my life, everything began to change. In verse 17, when he says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. What well, I believe Paul's thinking was this. When Moses went into God's presence, he had the liberty to take off the veil. The presence of the Lord gave him freedom, gave him this liberty. We have the Holy Spirit who is the Lord. He lives in, we live in the Spirit's presence because he's given it to us under this new covenant. So just as Moses had the freedom or the liberty to relate to God without the veil in the presence of the Lord, so we have liberty and freedom because of the presence of the Holy Spirit. In other words, we get the opportunity to speak boldly, to come to the presence of the Lord, to be who God wants us to be, to learn, to walk in this freedom under this relationship in this new covenant. You know, I was saying, I've said this before to you guys, we were talking about this a little bit on Thursday in the Christian Club. We're talking about sharing our faith. And how come a lot of Christians don't? And some of the things that were said was we're, we're afraid that people won't like us, that our, our group of friends won't think we're cool anymore and different things like that. And I was sharing, I don't have Christian, non-Christian friends that hide who they are. Just the other day on social media, one of my friends who doesn't walk with the Lord took a picture of him before he was going to a concert. He's like, I'm all excited up in this different city from here. And he said, I'm going to this concert and looking forward to seeing this band. And in the picture is drug paraphernalia and alcohol bottles and different things and stuff. And he wasn't hiding who he is and what he's doing. And it's interesting how we as Christians feel like we need to hide who we are. When the Lord says, let your light so shine before man. And he's telling us that we're so sp- supposed to be light and salt, a preserving factor in our community and everything else, that we need to be the ones out there more outspoken, and, uh, but not outspoken for political things and this and that, but outspoken for Jesus. Letting people know that there's hope. And that hope is like an anchor for our soul. Letting people know that, listen, you can have this relationship with the Lord that is powerful and it will change you from the inside out. And it's not about living up to other people's expectations and other people's thoughts and what you think that how other people expect you to live. But he's saying, listen, that you and I can have this relationship with the Lord that is this incredible relationship where you realize how much God loves you. Where he knows your shortcomings and still loves you. And your life is being transformed, verse 17. And you can walk in the freedom of the Lord, but what we do is we get so occupied with people in church and the way things we're told should be and the way you should act and, and the, you know who you should be. Sometimes in church, you just want to get people and say, can you do me a favor? Yeah. Stop it. Because you think, are you reading the Bible? Are you reading the scriptures? Are you reading and, and watching? By the way, let me say this. If you're not reading anything in the Bible right now, I want to encourage you, would you start tonight and start reading the book of John? And as you read the book of John, I want to encourage you, look unto Jesus and I want you to see who He's talking to and how He interacts with them. I want you to see that relationship that He has with people, how He listens, how He talks to how he responds to anybody and everyone and every story throughout the book of John. And if you read it and you have questions about it, write down the questions and let's talk about it. But I think it's important that we understand. I think so often we get so caught up in worrying about everybody else's life and look at them and, oh, look at how they're acting and they call themselves Christians and all this other stuff when it's like, wait a minute. What really is a Christian? Isn't it somebody who's saved by grace through faith? Somebody who's choosing to follow Christ? Somebody who's like Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, who says, I'm the chief of all sinners, who says, like the life I live, I want more of Christ. There's things I wish I never have done, things I wish I don't do, and things I wish I did better. Are we pursuing a life of holiness in Christ? Are we pursuing this relationship with the Lord that is one that is intimate? Because he says that this relationship with Christ is glorious. There's none like it. There's none like it. You want to know what a perfect relationship looks like? look to Jesus because he's not going to give up on you when you fail he's not going to turn his back on you when you're hurting he's going to give you every opportunity to run to him that your life and mine that we would be transformed that our hearts and our minds would be unveiled that it wouldn't be blinded to the truth of what the Lord has done. And so listen, you guys. As we look into God's mirror, He's changing us. You know, it's interesting. You guys are going to look back one day and see pictures of yourself when you were young. And you're going to trip out Some of you guys have seen my picture of when I had long hair. (laughs) And I miss those days. (laughs) I've had people say, grow it out again. I'm like, have you not seen? (laughs) That's just not possible. (laughs) But I look back sometimes at old pictures and I'm going, man, that was me. And people who know me now look back and, man, I can't picture you in those days. Or some... you know, have looked back and gone, I remember that, Dustin. I remember when you were that young or whatever. And you see the changes that, that, that life just happens, but also what this passage is talking about is this, the changes that happen in your life when you come in contact with the Lord. The change that will happen in your life when you come in contact with the Lord and this relationship with the Lord just deepens. You will find it to be, well, verse 11, glorious. Much more glorious than by doing and doing and doing like the Old Testament expected. And so my encouragement slash challenge to you on being the Word so you can know who Jesus is too. Surrender your life to Jesus by simply saying, Lord, forgive me of my sins. I invite you into my life. Open up my eyes and my heart to see you for who you are. Lord, help me to walk in your grace, your love and mercy. And you guys, me, you and I allow the Lord to begin more and more each day to transform us from the inside out. To change and transform our lives. I don't want to simply be a nice guy. Uh, I want to be somebody who's knows the Lord and understands His ways. And I don't want to put God in a box. I want to get outside my box. I want to learn how to do that better now than ever before. I pray you do too. So may we trust Him as we have this new relationship, this new covenant with Him.